I'm Karen Lewis, and welcome to Recovery Bites, a show that gets real about recovery, where we welcome voices in the field and voices of experience. Join me for candid interviews with experts in eating disorder and mental health recovery. Listeners can look forward to new perspectives, meaningful conversations, diverse connection, and compelling personal narratives that make a powerful difference in how we live. Episodes focus on life beyond recovery, the good and the not so good, the successes and the challenges, and the authentic accounts of recovered lives. Not their whole story, just bites. All right, everyone, here we go. What an incredible episode we have for today. We have returning guest, Abby Anderson, and she has so much to share. In fact, at one point, I think we both forgot we were doing a podcast and we just felt like we were involved in this really deep, rich conversation. So I hope you can all follow along. It was really wonderful. And there is something special at the end of the episode. So let's jump right in. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Recovery Bites. I think you can hear the enthusiasm in my voice. (laughs) My guest for today is this incredible dear soul. It is her second time, I'm sorry, on the show. I would like to welcome Abby Anderson. Abby, welcome to the show. Hi, Karen. I'm so excited for this. I'm so excited. (laughs) I I I seriously, and I think I said this the first time you were on, I have goosebumps because of how much our energy just like, we we like edge, like not edge each other on, but like we get each other even more excited when we're in the presence of each other. Like I just, I just said, I want listeners to know, I just said, I either my coffee just kicked in or something because I'm talking like a mile a minute. There's something about when we get together. So I want to say thank you for coming back again on the show. Thank you for having me. I feel like this is going to be a fun. Uh, what's it? It's almost been a year. So it's it'll be been, a good yep. like year check-in. <laughs> yes, this is going to be a year check-in. Abby, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and then yeah. we'll get into the check-in. All right. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Abby Anderson. I'm a singer-songwriter based in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, I'm originally from Texas, born in San Antonio, raised in Dallas. And I uh, moved to Nashville when I was 17. So I guess you could say I just, I always knew I was a big old attention hog and I just wanted to be on stage and have a microphone. And um, I've always been writing music and singing and it's what I love. Um, so yeah, I live in Nashville right now with my husband and um, just plucking away, man. We just put out my debut album, which has been awesome. Uh, it's called Sugar Spice. So you can go listen to that everywhere you listen to music and today is a great day because I get to be with you and I get to talk to Karen (laughs) I'm really excited (laughs) I'm telling you I I hope we can get through this people are going to be like god take it to another room to chit chat (laughs) like this but I'm so excited I'm just so excited anyway I digress Abby going back to being excited it's because I feel like when since the first time you and I met 
what we connected so well on was our authenticity, our vulnerability, sharing our truth, understanding that what we were suffering with is nothing to be ashamed of. It just is who we were, are, are going to be moving through life. Tell the listeners a little bit about when you came on a year ago, you had actually just for the first time talked about the fact that you'd struggled with an eating disorder and all the things that go into it, which is struggling with sense of self, comparison, being a people pleaser, being signed by a record label that you didn't have your own voice. Mm. A lot's changed. You now have your own label. You have now debuted your first album. You have now shared. You also, God, everyone, I'm sorry. See, too much coffee. Too much Abby. Ah! No, you're making um, me sound great, Karen. I think you're doing awesome. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, and your lyrics mm. make me cry because they're so truthful Thanks. about being a human being on this earth. Can you tell listeners what the last year has been like since you've dropped more into yourself? Yeah. Karen, it's so cool. And and I'm sure this, I don't know if this has been your experience too, but it's so, I, I keep a journal. I journal about like twice a week, almost sometimes every day. And it's so fun, like reading. Sometimes I'll go back and read on my journal entries from a year ago. And I won't lie, there's some some journal entries I'll read and I'm just like, oh my gosh, Abby, like I can't believe I used to think like that, be like that. But it's also really, really cool to read back on those journal entries. And, you know, I think we all would like to think we're growing, but it's really hard to notice it, you know, and and I look back on the girl I was a year ago and I just feel so much more like in my body, um, just settled in, you know, but also growing at the same time, it feels, I feel more at peace. And I think like during my whole recovery and everything you just talked about, it was so strange because mentally I knew something had to change. Like mentally, I knew I had to, you know, get out of that a record deal I knew I had to like fully recover I I knew I had to do all these things but I didn't know how and then it just kind of it's it's so fun to see how like life takes care of everything like when whenever you just mentally make the decision like I want to get better I want to make this change like I really believe life just kind of gives you the things you need make it possible. Can I interrupt for one moment? Yeah. And it is important, I think, and I don't want to speak for you, but when I hear when someone says, when I made the decision that I wanted to get better, that doesn't mean you're a hundred percent ready. That doesn't mean you have no fears or angst about it. That doesn't mean that you might not even be a, you might, you might be a little bit already to get better from the suffering. Mm. I, I want people to, to realize that it, if, if you wait until you're 100% ready to recover, then you're going to be recovered at that point, right? You're, you're already going to be in oh, recovery. Yeah. And so being ready means having just a flicker of hope. Yeah. That's all we need to start with. And I didn't want to, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just want to make sure everybody feels included That's in this conversation, point. regardless of where they're at everybody can recover. 
keep going. Sorry. Yeah. No, that I never thought of it like that, but you're so right, Karen. Cause yeah, when I think back, like I wanted to recover, but I don't think I really wanted to. <laughs> like, like I had this desire to get better. But I think last episode you said something so true, which was like we all parts of us want to hold on to it, hold on to that disorder because one, it's what we know. Two, it is comforting in the most, in a weird way, you know, it's how you kind of like navigate through the world for a really long time. And it's so hard to break that pattern and break that habit. And we have this illusion, even though we're rational thinkers, we have this irrational part of brain and part of self that still thinks it's protecting us from something whether it's from ourselves, from the world, from being seen. And so it's, it's a, this is a hard recovery process because there's so much that people use it to, to make themselves feel better. So mm -hmm. to give it up feels terrifying. Yeah. So, but not only did you give up your eating disorder, but you went a step farther. You gave up your record label. Like, didn't you sign a record label when you were like 19? Yeah. And you said something like, it normally takes 10 years to get a record label. You yeah. got to, to Nashville when you were 17, signed in two years. In all, from what most people would think, Abby has it all. Mm -hmm. Abby has the best life. Abby goes to Nashville and within two years gets a record deal. Yeah. Walk, walk us through where you are now because it wasn't as it was perceived. And we all do this. We yeah. make narratives of what we think we're seeing. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I think, Karen, when I talked to you a year ago, I was still angry. I think I was. Like, and I listened to a lot of interviews I did a year ago, and I see it and I hear it. And anger is good. Anger is healthy. And I had to learn that too. Like I was raised in an environment, right? Where, especially in a strict religious environment where it was like, don't get angry, just be thankful, just, just be thankful. And it's like, no, sometimes some stuff happens and like, it pisses me off. <laughs> like, like sometimes people do stuff. I'm like, that shouldn't have happened. That was a sucky situation, you know? And it's okay to be angry. I think, um, the biggest lesson I learned, though, was one, it's okay to be angry. That's okay. I think looking back, if I'm being really vulnerable, I would have waited. I'm so happy we did our interview. I think that interview was awesome. But, like, there is sometimes I think some interviewers call me on a bad day. And I'm like, I probably, probably should have waited a little, little longer, you know? Because now, looking back, I mean, it's two years. We're two years removed from that whole situation. And I just have... I feel empathy, I feel compassion, and especially for myself, for how young I was, um, mentally where I was at, and everybody I was doing business with, you know? Like, I can see it from everybody's point of view. Everyone's trying their best, even when it felt like they weren't. I have to believe everybody was functioning out of what they knew, and I think that goes for everything and especially us going through recovery you know um and so I look back on that I'm like there were some really really important lessons I needed to learn and I think it's almost as if like the universe put this situation like right in front of my face you know the whole people pleasing the um 
having a really, really hard time with like patriarchal power issues and standing up for myself, speaking up for myself. Like the universe really said, kid, you got to get over this now. Okay. Cause if you don't get over this now, <laughs> your life is going to be hell. <laughs> and so I'm really, really thankful for that. Cause it was like, that's where I had to learn that lesson. And I did, and I'm still learning it. You know, I still will catch myself um, repeating ha some like bad habits when it comes to people pleasing and just feeling like a burden to other people. <laughs> and just, and again, you said it earlier, that's the story our brain will tell ourselves and revert back to the old stories we told ourselves that aren't true anymore. Um, so it's been really fun to be conscious of that. What has it felt like going, I'm going to use the word public, public with your mm -hmm. eating disorder struggles? You know, I am in the field of eating disorders. So for me yeah. to say I'm recovered, you know, whatever, some people don't want to talk about it as professionals, but I'm in the field. You're in the music, you're in the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. How has it been? Has there been any negative consequences? You know, I can say there has been so much feedback, Abby, from the first time you were on the show, from your first episode. And we get nothing but incredible messages of people saying how grateful they are mm. for you sharing your story. But I don't know if they're all like that. Yeah, it's been positive, Karen. And it's been really, really positive for me um, for a long time. Of course, like I was so scared to talk about it. But it probably just, you know, before I met you, before we did that interview, I was really scared to talk about it. Probably just wasn't the right time to talk about it because I was still going through it, you know. And so I think when I met you and we talked about it, I was able to speak from a healed perspective and a more understanding perspective. Um, so for me, it was very healing. Uh, and there's so many things. I feel like I had so many aha moments talking to you too. Cause even after healing, like we think we understand it all. And then you talk about it with someone and you're like, oh my gosh, like that is crazy. I didn't think about that. So it's very healing for me. I still, I get messages from like parents, even parents who have kids struggling with eating disorders and just telling me, thank you for sharing your story. Like I showed your song, my daughter, it's awesome. It has been awesome. And like, I'll think about it sometimes I'm like, what was I so scared of? You know, sometimes you just gotta, gotta share your story. I was like, what was I scared of? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because typically what we're most afraid of once we get over that fear and do it, we look back and say, oh my God, did I put myself through a lot of shame mm -hmm. and judgment and whatever it is when it it's it's not always as difficult as we think. And let's also say hypothetically, there were challenges as a result of you sharing your story. That's part of your narrative too. And you would have moved through that. That still doesn't mean it was the wrong decision to yeah. talk about it. What has your music felt like? Because I I feel it is very symbolic that you went off and and did your own recording did you know left your label because you wanted to sing from your heart yeah what which is very also symbolic of leaving the eating disorder you yeah. wanted to live from your heart from a place of what that you you know your values 
lineup. How has your music changed? How does it feel? Tell tell everyone about the music. It's so filling. Like and Karen, I was thinking about thinking about this. Like when I was on tour, you know, 2018, 2019, um, I would get off stage and just feel empty. And like doing something that I loved, right? Like I would get off stage and just feel absolutely spent. And just, and that's where the binging came from. You know, I'd get off stage and just feel this need to like fill myself with something because I was just like floating away <laughs> and I needed to like anchor myself somehow. Um, now, like I've been playing some live shows and I get off stage and I literally can't, I feel full. I feel like, oh, I feel talking about like, I just, I get off stage and I just feel so satisfied, like in every way and just like not tired, energized. Like I could, I could go like five more rounds after I play a show now. Cause it's just so filling. And it's cause I've, I'm getting to perform music one that I love, you know, but two, I think lyrically, it just feels and it's like my story you know honestly now I also wonder if you feel lighter I know that when Mm. I was in my eating disorder I had never felt more weighed down yeah and so I you know struggling with anorexia nervosa still felt like my body was moving almost like feeling like it was concrete everything felt so heavy it wasn't until I started the recovery process and grew into myself that now I feel I kind of glide through the world in a different way. And so it, I'm, I'm just curious if you experience that. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe the word I'm looking for is more like anchored yet light. It's everything. Isn't that it's funny? Everything. It's anchored. Yeah. It's grounded. It's, it's gliding. It's, it's yeah. sort of like this whole constellation of, of, of some, some opposing feelings, like not yeah. everything is the same, but it's just, it's, oh, it's full. <laughs> yeah. Just like you said. Yeah. It's full. It's rich. Say a little bit about what goes into writing the lyrics. Are you it's you're obviously drawing from your own experiences. Mm-hmm. How has that been? Oh, it just it's not so uh in the past it used to be very surface. And I think, and that wasn't on purpose. Like I wasn't consciously being like oh, let's keep it surface level. I think I was really trying, I was trying to dig deep, you know, but I don't think I could. I don't think I had the capacity to yet while I was in my disorder and trying to like go in depth with my feelings and emotions. But now it's like going deep is like what I do every day. Like that's just second nature now, you know? And I've noticed, Karen, my writing has gotten so much better. Like so, so, so much better. Well, the reality is, is when you're in the eating disorder, you cannot go deep. It's like a block, right? It's in, and that block is protecting you. So now you, you're, you're no longer in the eating disorder and now you're like a well, it just keeps coming and coming. That's what I feel like. And that's what it is. You were blocking your emotions, your, your true self, your experiences, and for reasons of self-protection, which you thought self-protection, now you realize you don't have to protect those emotions and they're flowing out and they're becoming beautiful music. Yeah. yeah. I think too, I was, 
like now I'm not afraid to um actually I wouldn't even say afraid it's it like comes second nature to me to express emotion um whether I'm angry or I'm sad like I don't shame myself for feeling angry or sad you know and I used to I used to shame the hell out of myself like anytime I got discouraged anytime I got sad I'd be like Abby why are you sad you have no reason to be sad like knock it off you know like you should be happy be happy be happy now when like a wave of sadness comes over me for what I, who knows you know I I love crying it's like my favorite thing to do is cry <laughs> and uh for whatever reason if I'm just having like a weird day or feeling discouraged I just I see it I kind of wave to it and um, I sit with it and I just give myself a hug I'm like hey sadness I see you gonna sit with you for a second and uh 30 minutes from now we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye all right <laughs> just have a good cry sit it out and that is so freeing in and of itself too and I don't know Karen I don't know when you're in your disorder like you're saying you you know you stay on the surface but like is it what is it about not going deep with emotion that's related to being in an eating disorder and then recovering and like being really like more than comfortable with it. Well, I, I will speak from my own experience. I had so much shame against myself that I would have never dared let anyone know what I was really thinking, what was really making me sad, what was really making me anxious, what I was afraid of, what I was insecure about. I was so deeply embarrassed and ashamed, Abby, that I, I wanted the world to think that, that I was anything but those. Yeah. Now it's like, and, and I know I'm say, saying this sounding like jokingly, but I'm not like, I can't keep my mouth shut. Like if I feel an emotion, I have to express it. If I feel sadness, I have to cry. If I feel low self-esteem, I'll say to you, Abby, I'm a little insecure today. Like this might be a, this might be a hard interview. I'm not feeling myself. I name it now so it loses its negative power yeah, and also doesn't stay stuck. So then it doesn't come out three days later on somebody else for a different reason or in my eating disorder. Does that right. make sense? Am I making sense or am Absolutely. I? Absolutely. And do you think, does that come partly from like changing your environment or is that more of an internal change or is it both? First of all, it's always an internal change because we can't always change our environment. What if you're a, a 10-year-old young person and your parents, and by the way, never blaming parents, but I'm just using this as an example. Your parents are perfectionists. Um, they they are, you know, dieters themselves, and you know, and and you have a sibling with anger issues. And you're 10. You cannot remove yourself from that situation. How do we help you as a 10-year-old learn how to stay grounded to yourself and also trust your own feelings and not be told, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. When you're sensing something isn't right. Yeah. So that. There is also a change of environment that's that can also be helpful, but we cannot assume if we change our environment, but don't do the deep work. Mm. that just the change is going to resolve issues because then the issues follow you. If you are in an abusive relationship, 
just leaving the relationship without understanding how you got into this means you might fall back into another abusive relationship because you don't understand how you got there. So it sounds like it's internal first. And then when the internal happens first, then naturally you might change your environment. You might change the outside. I also want to make sure I'm being very you know, clear that there's also situations where you have to change the environment. So now I know I sound like I'm talking out of two sides of my mouth, but if you're in an abusive relationship or in an abusive home or an abusive work environment, you are not going to be able to find a safe place within to work on those emotions all the time. You know what I mean? So you have to remove yourself to actual physical or emotional safety. So there's never one answer. It's never always internal than external. Sometimes we need to remove you from the situation so you have enough time and space and safety yeah. to reflect on what, what you're experiencing. So I know I just said two different things. Oh, that makes important. sense though. But still, it, it still sounds like there's like that internal question first, a little bit. Yes. And I've always wondered that, like looking back on my recovery, I'm like, I think like the, the desire to change something happened first. That's it yeah. right there. Yeah. Which is so interesting. Cause sometimes I remember I didn't have the desire to like change anything, you know, until one day I was like, I have to. I think we always have the desire to change the suffering and we just get mm -hmm. confused thinking if, you know, uh, and you know, the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. But when you're in an eating disorder, you get so used to this pattern that it's more frightening to, to leave it and yeah. say something else is going to make it better. So, so I, I know for years I wanted out of human suffering. The irony is I thought the more weight I lost, the more I'd be mm. happier. You know what I'm saying? Everything, it's like living in bizarro world. Everything was turned upside down for me. What I didn't realize is what I was doing in my eating disorder was making my existential crisis even larger. Right. It wasn't until I pulled it, but we don't understand that until we reach out and say, I need help. I need to talk to somebody because we only have our own perspective. It's like you keep doing it more and more thinking it's going to, if I can only do it enough, if yeah. I can only binge enough, then I might feel satisfied after a concert. I didn't feel totally satisfied this time. So I'm going to binge more after my next show. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What do you think is happening in the world around you? Because one of the things mm -hmm. we talked about is you're noticing more. You're yeah. a little more, your eyes are open more. Yeah. That's also like, <laughs> there's something scary and I'm like, why? Well, I don't want to notice this. Like, <laughs> let's, let's shift to what it's like being more present in the world. Um, I've been going deeper in just everything else. Um, I'm trying to like put all of these thoughts into words that make sense. <laughs> I think, Karen, it's, it's cool to notice all the other patterns, um, whether it's business decisions and allowing myself, like, time. Like, okay, Abby, like, in the past, 
we've made really hasty decisions and then we kick ourselves for it a year later. So let's take 72 hours, breathe for a second. And even catching myself, like that's been the most fun is catching myself and whatever. And, you know, anytime like a, a uh, situation comes up that is repetitive of the past, um, which has, I've noticed like, it's like God, the universe, you know, giving me those lessons again to break the habit. And sometimes I'll repeat the same mistake. You know, I've repeated the same mistake 10 times <laughs> on certain things. And the universe keeps giving me that situation, puts it right in front of my face. And it's really, really fun to choose a different path on whatever that choice would have been and be like, oh, wow, that was easy. That's all, oh, all I had to do is listen to myself. And it's still that same recurring lesson, Karen, of listen to your gut, don't settle, listen to your intuition, listen to your intuition. I'm still learning that. I've gotten a lot better at it, a lot better in like even understanding how it feels when something feels right, rather than convincing myself it's right. That's been really interesting. Um, and, and even it like learning to separate, <clears throat> you know, growing up in growing up in my home, it was always called the Holy spirit, the Holy ghost, who was this spirit man who told you when something felt right. Right. <laughs> and like learning that was me. That was me the whole time. It's always been me and finding my own authority. That has been really, really interesting and something I'm still learning and still understanding is I am my own authority. And at the end of the day, it's me. At the end of the day, it's just me, you know, and I gotta, I gotta live with whatever I say. <laughs> right there. I want to point out that knowing that we're, we, we are our own, own authority, excuse me, everyone, knowing that we have made the best decision that we made in the moment or understand why we made a decision also allows us to take accountability when mm -hmm. we have played part in the disruption of something. Oh, so true. Right. So, yep. you know, 30 years ago, if I thought I did something wrong, my only way of navigating through it would be through eating disorder behaviors because I was too ashamed to either take ownership or add my part or, and I was very conflict avoidant. Now I can very, when I say comfortably, it's an uncomfortable situation, but it, it makes it, it makes it more comfortable. I can say, you know what, this is where I take ownership. This is where my part was. I can definitely see that. That to me feels stronger than avoiding it, denying it. Do you see what I'm saying? When we listen to our own internal self, we get the, the privilege of reaping the benefits and also the accountability when we when we did something that needs to be cleaned up. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think like this past year, even the past like three months, I love that word. That's that's what it's felt like. Accountability. Yeah. I feel like I'm I was at this place and am at this place where I can handle that accountability and realize, you know, Abby, not the best. You know, we didn't handle ourselves yeah. the best yeah. in that situation. Let's do better. And and not, and again, Karen, like not shaming myself for making a mistake. That's been huge too. Cause in the past, I would just like 
gosh, I would just feel so much internal turmoil and distress anytime I thought I like ticked someone off or did something that, you know, wasn't the best uh, human action in the world. And now it's like, okay, I can have compassion for myself in my accountability. And that you nailed on the head. There's so much freedom in that. And you're right. It's not fun. Not fun all the time. It's it's not fun. And that's also the key, having compassion within your accountability. Just like we have to have compassion for others when when they've, you know, when we feel like they've made a disruption. Take a step back and try to understand where was that person coming from. Again, all of this is missed when you're in an eating disorder because you don't want to feel any intense emotions. You go right to a behavior. Mm. And if I I wouldn't have had time to take a step back and think, why did that person do that? Is did they did they you know misperceive? I would just instantly go to an eating disorder and then hold a grudge. I was really good at holding grudges when I was in my eating disorder and not giving people second chances because I I I didn't I wasn't I didn't allow myself to process a situation. That makes a lot of sense. It's almost as if I I feel like I've been learning the difference between self and my ego and there is a difference and like my ego ego being like the human experience right um and like my spirit my true self and that's been really interesting to like and it's kind of I I'm not the best at articulating this because it's kind of a mind f like trying to think about it but Anytime I like look back on the past or like just take accountability for my actions, things I'm not super proud of, I realize like, okay, that was ego or even um, even family or like I just came out from a family reunion and we all revert to our 16 year old selves and we're all kind of bitchy to each other and <laughs> like realizing like, okay, even having compassion for others, I, I just feel like I have the capacity now for more. And that has been awesome. Like, and that's, you know, more good things, more bad emotions too, more anger, more sadness, more love, more empathy. Um, and that that has been really, really eye-opening and, and peaceful at the same time. Say a little bit more about being more open and your end, you just came back from a from a family reunion. I'm not saying this anything about your family, but before we started recording, you and I were talking about like, what do you do when you go, when you're in your life now and the world hasn't changed, but you have, yeah. and now you notice things. Oh, I noticed that person has either disordered eating or an eating disorder. I'm like, say, say a little bit about that. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, I think I'm trying to understand, like, I don't know why I will get, like, I'd like to think I'm a, you know, level-headed person. I'd like to think that I'm not easily angered. I'm not easily provoked. Um, for some reason, though, when I was, like, with my family, things just get triggered easily. And, like, internally, I'll just feel, and maybe it's because, like, in my family, I think it, a lot of people, disordered eating um, happens, starts in the home. Nobody's fault. Everybody's doing their best, you know, but now I notice it and I noticed I was very like easily triggered by it. It could just be a small comment or like a small thing um, 
you know, someone does. And I'll just like inside, just feel this anger. And I'm like, I don't want to feel that. Like, what is that? That's me judging. I don't know what it is, Karen. Is it me judging? Is it me putting down this other person because they're not, you know, quote unquote, awakened yet? Like, that's shitty. <laughs> it's, it's you feeling. I want to remind you what you said earlier when we first started the interview or at some point. You listen now to the recordings that you did a year ago and you had a lot of anger towards your record label. There was a lot of anger to the professionals that you were working with. A year has passed. You have had distance, your own healing, your own security in your healing for your for your future. And now you have some compassion, empathy. You can understand it from a different perspective. By the way, do you remember in your last podcast, what didn't your therapist say that your superpower is that you could read a room? Yes. That is a hard superpower. What? Your face just... No, Karen, you're so like, I think, okay, keep going. And then I'll say what I was going to say. So if your superpower is that you can read a room and now you allow all your emotions to come to your, to the surface, it's a little hard to, to look around the room and see someone in pain, see someone angry, see someone suffering, see someone using behaviors. When you were younger, you were super, you could read the room and you just swallowed it. A chameleon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You could. So you're, you, my darling have not changed. It's your ability to now say, I'm noticing something. What do I want to do with it? Right. Yeah. And I think too, like when I, again, and I don't know what it is about family. Maybe it's because we all know each other really well <laughs> or like know each other's buttons, know each other's emotions, but that is so when you brought that up just now, and I don't know why I always forget this, but like, I do notice that I, and I don't mean to like sound like, you know, all up in high and mighty, but it's just true. Like I feel what others feel. And so is it possible that like when I see someone I love so much, like going through disordered habits, right? They're like, I'm feeling their anger and their sadness. You're, you're, what's the, you're resonating with it. You feel it as a visceral reaction. Right. You, you're not actually in, you're not in their body feeling their anger. No. You are resonating with, it, it almost takes you back in like, like a time warp where you're like, I remember a time when I used to navigate through life with anger and sadness and fear. And I only made things better by, you know, restricting my food or running to the bathroom after I binged and purged and all this stuff. So super feelers like you and I, and a lot of people with eating disorders, we do feel yeah. other people's emotions. The thing is, is that right now, it's kind of crossing a boundary for you. You're letting their experience land in your body. Right. And then I'm mean to them. And then I say something snappy. Or you're, so you're reacting. You're not responding. I'm reacting. And that right. doesn't help anybody. And and that's what blew my mind, Karen. was like, I, it was just this one instance. And I was like, why did, why did I say that? Like, I did the exact thing. That other, that my family used to say or do to me, that would make me feel so much shame. And here I was 
perpetuating that. And I was just, I felt so sad that I did that to someone I love, you know? Let me ask you a question though. Did you do anything after that? We are all human and we make mistakes. Yeah. We all feel sometimes out of control. So we get angry and, and out of desperation. That's mm -hmm. not the worst part. Well, I don't mean worst part, but it's it's not about that. What did you do after? Are Have you been able to say to that person, I am really sorry that I reacted that way. That's not, that was not my intention. Yeah. This is how I really wanted to respond. I'm sad. What's happening? What are you experiencing on the inside that is having you turn to an eating disorder? That's what I meant to do. Mm. Unfortunately, I reacted. Yeah. So that's the difference. It's what we do after. I and don't I think, think anyone like, ever did that to you. I think you were constantly being bombarded, like, you know, from your family. But did anyone ever say to you, sit you down? And this isn't blaming your family, but say, oh, what was really happening inside is that I was feeling uncomfortable and sad and scared mm -hmm. and so So that's the difference. Yeah. And I think like, and here's my other question too, is how do you like recognize a disordered eating pattern in someone you love. But also it's really, really like, is it our place to go to them and be like, hey, I think you have an eating disorder. I'm like, no one wants to do that. That that would have never been helpful for me, you know? And it's like, how do you, you can recognize it in someone. It's really easy to spot, especially if you've lived it. Still love them. Like, ha, and not get triggered by it, but also not make them feel shameful, not make them feel uncomfortable. Like, I don't think it helps anybody by just confronting it when they're not ready to be talked to about it. But by the way, that person might not be ready to defend their behaviors. And if somebody said to me, you have an eating disorder and I want to talk to you about it, I'd be like, back, back the F up. Just like, back me up. Too get away from my behaviors. They protect me. But if someone had sat me down and said, I'm worried, like what's going on? I do notice some disordered eating. I also notice that you're not smiling anymore, or I can see anxiety or whatever it is, because you're not just picking the behavior is the last thing that you're picking up on is what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. Abby is that. So there's so much going on with that person before that. So what yeah. would happen if you said to them, I love you. There is no judgment. There is nothing. I've been there. And as a result, I want you to know that I am here. If you want to talk about it, yeah. whatever's going on. I, but it also depends on the person. How would that feel for you? Yeah. For me, I think it'd be, that would be out of love. I think I'm just also super hyper aware of what that feels like. And I think you're right, Karen. I think it's because like when I was in my disorder, I was met with, oh, but you look great. Yeah. Nobody, oh, but you look fantastic. Like who cares? You look amazing. And, and, um, you know, oh, that's, that's normal. Like I know friends who do that. You're fine. And and that was me reaching out for help. Like I needed someone in my family, someone in my circle to tell me, yes, Abby, you you are sick. Like, yes, this is not a this is not normal. Like, yes, let's go get you help. Versus I was met with like, ah, just keep doing it. You look awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, is terrifying yeah. in our world, in our culture. 
nobody has a right to comment on my body. It is my body. It is not there as a billboard. It is not there as an advertisement. It is my body. Nobody, right. I, I, you know what I'm saying? And we have no idea why somebody is in a body that they're in. So they're, commenting can be detrimental. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But I love that comment of like, what I can do from the experience I have experienced, I know how it feels. I know what it's like to need that control. The the gift to be able to meet someone where they're at emotionally with emotions first. Yeah. Rather than what they're doing physically. Oh, that's so powerful to give them the gift that I wish I could have gotten. That's amazing. I often say to people, what would you have wanted to receive? Yeah. Really love and compassion. Yeah. Because I had enough negative energy towards myself. When somebody came at me with negative energy, I put up an even more solid wall. Right. For sure. Okay. I love that. Right. I love that. And I wonder if it's just out of habit that like we react in, in a way at first that people reacted to us. I don't know if that's what it was, but oh, Karen, I just felt so bad. I felt terrible that I react like that. And so I did like apologize, you know, because I never want anyone to feel the shame I ever felt. But I love that. Meet someone where they're at emotionally. Check in emotionally. Like, how are you feeling? What's going on? You know, I love that. Leave the the disorder can stay off the the table. Let me do sort of a hard turn, but it, it reminded me of this when we were talking about like lonely and having people walk around in the world with a bandaid over it and not really getting to the core issues. Can you talk about your song, the song? Yeah. <laughs> titled The Song. The Song. <laughs> because that's when when I heard it, read the lyrics, I, I swear to you, Abby, my entire childhood mm. went went completely through my mind. I, I, I saw my life flash before my eyes because of all the times that I felt lonely on the outside. Like I didn't fit in, like everybody else had the, had the answers to life, but I didn't say a little bit about that and talk about the EP. Yes. So the, I'm so happy you brought this up, Karen. Thank you. Cause I don't think I realized how much of this song was written out of like, yeah, that's how I felt as a child. 100% just always on the outside looking in and not understanding why. Like I wanted so badly to have that group of friends and that click in middle school. And I wanted so badly to feel like a deep connection with my sisters. Um, and for whatever reason, there just always felt like there was this hedge between me and everybody else yet at the same time I was always told like oh everybody loves Abby everybody likes Abby but I'm like really because <laughs> like, I don't have any friends <laughs> I swear to you I had the exact same experience and, and forgive me for interrupting but when I talk now about how lonely I was when I was younger my mother and my brothers are like you had so many friends when you like the phone never stopped ringing and I'm like Mm, I really didn't. I didn't connect with one of those people. I didn't think any of them liked me. I thought they all under like they were the cool group, and I was just like the the last. So anyway, keep going, keep going. No, and I've always wondered 
why that was and I that's where this song started from was the so the chorus is does anybody out there feel like they belong it's like the whole world singing and I don't even know the song and I just want to sing along like I, I just remember so badly just want to be a part of whatever it is all the other girls my age were a part of and I could never understand why I couldn't meet them there like I could put it on a smile and I could be fun. I could be entertaining. I was the girl everybody laughed at and wanted to like, you know, hang out with. But I never had, like I've, I had like one friend who was like my friend, you know? But it was just so hard for me to like make deep connections with people. Um, I was a good emotional bucket for people. <laughs> like I was, I was a great listener, you know? I was, I was, the first person people call to tell all their problems to. And I was happy to listen. Um, but one day we wrote this song about a year ago. And I was just thinking about that middle school me. And just how insecure I felt. How badly I wanted to be a part of something. And um, there was this feeling I was, I think I just had the image of like, I, I saw a quote, I believe it was a Maya Angelou quote. And I can't remember verbatim what I said, but it was something to the effect of everybody wants to belong to something, right? But what we don't realize is the day we understand that we only belong to ourselves is when we belong to the universe, to something bigger than us. And I read that and I was like, oh my gosh, I only belong to myself. Here I was trying to do everything to belong to a church group. You know what I mean? I I don't mean to cut you off, but Go you're you're using one word that I, you didn't try to belong to the church. You didn't try to belong to your friendship. You tried to fit in. I tried to fit in. That's different. Yes. Belonging and fitting in. What Maya Angelou was talking about was belonging, which means even if you don't fit into the mold, you still belong, right? So go ahead. I couldn't help that, but I was like, I have to. Thank you for clearing that up. You're right. I, I so badly wanted to be a part of, to fit into, yeah, that church group, that middle school girl clique, that, you know, sports team where all the girls are hanging out in this corner talking before the meet. And I realized like when I moved to Nashville, after I started doing things out of my own intuition, out of what I wanted to do, wearing, even just wearing what I wanted to, expressing myself how I wanted to, suddenly my friendships became deeper. Suddenly, honestly, I have like less friends, but like close friends. I have a lot of acquaintances and that's okay, you know, and I probably have like five dear close friends. Um, and I feel so much more fulfilled that way. And I feel like because I belong to myself, I can speak out of my truth, out of what I want. I just feel, yeah, I feel a deeper connection to everybody. Even people I see in passing, I can show up authentically. Was it hard for you to write this song? And I'm asking in the sense of, and, and, my my childhood, the way I felt was 100% captured in this song. And so that's a that's a wound for me. Like, so mm -hmm. when I heard this song, 
and like I said, read the lyrics. It was hard for me. It was beautiful. It was validating. And it just was hard. Was it hard for you to write this because it brought up or, or like, but I will also say like, then I listened to it more and it was so healing. So did you go through a process with it? Yeah, it was healing. It was totally healing. Cause when I wrote it, I was already at that point of like, yeah, being authentic and, and feeling myself and just having deep connections with people. So when I was writing it, I was just bawling my eyes out. It was me, my producer, and another writer in town. And it was so funny how when I was talking about this experience, they had felt it too growing up. And I was like, well, there's your belonging right now. None of us feel like we fit in. <laughs> we all feel like that. So what are we doing to ourselves, you know? Uh, but no, it really cared. It felt like I was giving my 12-year-old self a hug my 19-year-old self a hug, and just that girl who so desperately wanted to find community. And she ended up finding community inside her. <laughs> okay, that is beautiful because that's it right there. Yeah. You need to find community and belonging with inside self. Yeah. And then, as you were saying, you can connect with strangers as you pass them on the streets. And Remember how you said, yeah, you said like, I connect with people as I'm walking down the street. Absolutely. I do and suddenly like conversation doesn't feel exhausting anymore. I remember I used to feel I would come home after like a night out or, you know, some work related event, just feeling absolutely exhausted and just feeling like I didn't, I didn't want to talk to anybody for like two days. Yeah. And now I feel energized by it. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because maybe like it's not as like I still have surface conversations with people you know I'm not going to tell everyone my life story <laughs> but even the surface feels more authentic right there and that's yeah. also a healthy boundary I don't tell the world my story well well we, yeah, podcast. Here, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean until you put a microphone in front of me but anyway but I don't, I don't tell the world everything, but I still feel connected with them when I'm having that, that I'm going to say superficial conversation because it's not, it's, it's just a different level. Talk a little bit about the EP. Oh yeah. So it's called Sugar Spice and uh, it's nine songs. Um, and it was just the first time, I know we talked about this a little bit last episode, but it's the first time, like every single song I just love. And it was all my experience. And it's like, I don't know why I made it so freaking hard on myself to just put out music I love. <laughs> but it really was like the experience of a lifetime, writing it, releasing it, and then seeing people's reaction to it. You know, seeing people relate to it. I was just going to say, I bet a lot of people can relate to it. What What other reactions have you gotten? People, a lot of people have messaged me about the song. Uh, which was surprising to me. I put that at, that was like the last song on the album. So I'm like, nobody's going to hear it, but that's been the one that people love the most probably. Um, and just, I've gotten a lot of messages of like, gosh, like you can hear the joy in your voice. Like I listen to my old recordings and it literally sounds like I'm like swallowing my voice. Like it just sounds very pushed back and down and now it just feels bright and light and it's like easy to sing. 
It is unbelievable how we're so afraid to show true self. And then when we do, how freeing it yeah. is. Yeah. And I also want to say, I don't ever want anyone to not like me, but if somebody doesn't not like my true self, then that's okay too. Cause I'm not going to change to make them like me. I'm not going to change mm-hmm. to accommodate them. Yeah. Right? That's been a huge lesson for me too. I feel like a year, two years ago, if I saw like one negative comment, oh, it would wreck me, Karen. Like I would be afraid to post anything for days in fear of one more negative comment. And I would just spiral into insecurity. Like, why would they say that? You know, this person I've never met before on the internet who is just feeling insecure one day, felt the need to spew something, you know? And now, now I see negative comments and I'm like, I laugh at it now. (laughs) I'm like, you know, okay. And it's just nice to like, not that, that doesn't even make a dent anymore. And that's been fun. Like I realize it starts with me, you know, I can't control how other people act. I can't control where they're at on their, their own, you know, journey to becoming themselves their higher selves, whatever. That's not my business. That's theirs. And meeting them with compassion, meeting others with compassion and just not being like, I don't know that unbothered is the right word. It's almost like on, like you can smile at it and just be like, oh man, like I see you. I see you, you know, and one day you're not going to feel like that anymore, but it has no effect on my well-being. Just very freeing. (laughs) It is very very freeing. Yeah. Abby, I adore you so much. Hey, I, I adore you, Kara. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. I'm so sorry that we're, we're ending. Abby, is there anything other than just me gushing over you and just telling you how much I appreciate you? I appreciate <laughs> your honesty, your authenticity, your courage, your vulnerability in, in public. And so is there anything else you want to say? Just thank you. And Thank you for creating a space too, Karen, where like I can talk about the good, bad, and ugly of being human and this whole recovery journey. I really, really appreciate it. The whole point of the podcast, because mm-hmm. that is life, right? Yes, ma'am. All right, everyone. That does it for another episode of Recovery Bites. I look forward to speaking with each and every one of you next week. Take care and stay safe. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Recovery Bites. Be sure to visit recoverybitespodcast.com to join the conversation, access show notes, listen to past episodes, and more. You can also find us by searching for Recovery Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and major podcast streaming players. For weekly episode releases, you can follow us at at Recovery Bites Pod on Instagram. If you're interested in becoming a guest on the show or to submit a guest request, please visit KarenLewisEDC.com forward slash podcast sign up to begin the process. I'd also like to send out a heartfelt thank you to my producer, Jen Galvin. It is unbelievable the magic she does behind the scenes. All right, everyone. See you next week for another Recovery Bite. Thanks for listening.